Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 271. Royal Caribbean has been actively working to revitalize many of its cruise ships over the last few years, and each multi-million dollar project has resulted in new and improved experiences for guests across the ship. Perhaps the most impressive update that any Royal Caribbean ship has received in recent memory has definitely been Mariner of the Seas, which had a lot of work done to her earlier this year. Someone who just went on Mariner of the Seas earlier this month joins me to discuss the changes made to the ship as we review his recent cruise. Here we go. If there's one Royal Caribbean ship that's getting a lot of attention these days, it's Symphony of the Seas. But if there's another Royal Caribbean ship that's getting even almost as much attention these days, it is definitely Mariner of the Seas. And I don't think I I can recall a time in which a refurbished Royal Caribbean ship has gotten as much attention and positive attention and excitement, quite frankly, as Mariner of the Seas. Uh, Royal Caribbean spent a lot of time and money upgrading the ship, adding some really cool features to it. And I think when you combine that with the fact now it's offering quick weekend getaways from Florida, it has been the recipe for a tremendous success for Royal Caribbean. It's got a lot of people now reconsidering what their cruising plans are, especially for those kind of shorter getaway sailings. And this week, I wanted to talk to you guys about Mariner of the Seas and those type of sailings and kind of bring you a, a review of the ship uh, because there's quite a lot that's going on with it. And joining me here today is a great friend, extremely knowledgeable colleague, and somebody that can uh, share a good story about Billy Hirsch as much as anybody. It is Rick Ross from CruiseHabit.com. Welcome, Rick. Oh, thank you very much, Matt. I'm happy to be here. I'm uh, glad to be at home now. I spent the weekend at the CruiseHabit.com global headquarters, also known <laughs> as Billy's apartment, sleeping on a fold-out futon, uh, and glad to be in my own bed again. Yes, I believe the global headquarters uh, has ample kale being served, and, <laughs> and and all the furniture is made out of hemp. Is that is that accurate? Uh, I, there was kale served. I can't uh, comment on the other point, but okay, there was enough. kale served. There was that's kale. for sure. Knew it. <laughs> Uh, now, speaking of CruiseHabit.com, in all seriousness, though, uh, you guys are actually uh, coming up with a new podcast, Cruising Podcast. And as somebody, look, I mean, I have my own podcast, but that doesn't matter. I love Cruise Podcasts because there's just not enough great ones out there. And you guys are, are rolling your own, so to speak. Yeah, we saw that there's probably a space for uh, what we would like to do in the kind of Cruise Podcast universe. Uh, Billy you know, has got a lot of industry inside information because of his his family having worked in the cruise industry and i'm someone who just loves cruising uh, i've got kind of a technical operations background and so i like to look at the cruise industry through that perspective um and yeah we're just having a good time and trying to come up with some information cool well, you can uh, check out the podcast when it comes out at um, cruisehabit.com we've had billy on a number of times here on this podcast obviously our, rick your first time on here to, to it talk is. and and you went on Mariner of the Seas. Let's, uh, let's uh, bring this now around to what I was talking about earlier. And I got to think. Uh, I'm going on a limb because we haven't talked about this. So maybe you're going to be like, no, Matt, you're absolutely wrong. Uh, okay. That Mariner of the Sea, the reason why you went on Mariner had to have, at least in some part, been the refurbishment. Had to have grabbed your attention in some kind when you were planning all this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there were some things I was interested in right off the bat. I was interested in checking out Playmakers. Because uh, that's something new that's uh, new to Royal Caribbean. I think it's just on a couple of ships, maybe Symphony and Mariner, and that, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, Bamboo Room, yes. the Tiki Bar, that was something that caught my eye. Uh, the Sky Pad, that was something that caught my eye. And Laser Tag was something that all of those sounded like something, yeah, I want to give that a shot. Did the fact that not only are these options here, but I mean, obviously, when you take that, you have a, it's a, it's a big ship. And Royal Caribbean up till this point has really only offered this kind of weekend cruises on smaller ships. But you take the amenities you mentioned, you talk about the ship uh, size, right? And you have the fact mm-hmm. that it's doing these kind of, you know, quick weekend getaways. This must have gotten, you know, th- is this something that you really stood out to you? Because obviously Rick has a, maybe we should talk about your background in cruising because this isn't your first rodeo, so to speak. Uh, no, this was uh, cruise number 10. For me, and I've cruised on several different lines: Disney, Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, and Norwegian. Okay, so what stood out about so equal, get, yeah, go about ahead. equal amounts all around? Okay, there you go. Equal opportunity cruiser. That's the sure. I am I am price driven. There you go. Uh, and sh- and ship feature driven. Okay, that that that's per- I think that's you nailed it, dude. That is what it's all about when we talk about Mariner of the Seas because it is price and it is 
features, right? It's not like you're saying, okay, Rick goes for the cheapest cruise out there, and you know, if it's a glorified ferry, it's good enough. You you you're not you want the lower price. You want to be able to you know not not shell out a ton necessarily, but you're also looking for a good time on board, and you're looking for the kind of things that make cruising so exciting these days. Yeah, and the fact that I was able to get a solo cabin, that Ooh. really drove the price uh, down. Let's talk me. about that, because uh, Royal Caribbean only has a few of these. And actually, this is a new cabin, right? This was added as part of the refurbishment. Yeah, I was probably like the fifth person to stay in this cabin or something like that. Um, in the what is has been the screening room on deck two forward uh, in the uh, Voyager class of ships, uh, this was converted into four solo staterooms. Uh, and where it was was a little bit unusual because it's it's under the theater, but you never would have known that. Uh, and the loyalty ambassador desk is just in front of the entrance to these rooms. So when I was walking around on deck two thinking, uh, well, I see some rooms over there. I see some rooms over there. But I know mine, my room's supposed to be in the middle. It's behind the loyalty ambassador desk. It looked very exclusive. I didn't actually have to check in with anybody, but it looked like you had to. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I mean, it's and you know, obviously, uh, we should mention if you're t- if you're hearing you know these solo cabins and asking what is that? These are special rooms that are obviously smaller. They're designed for one person, but beyond that, they come with a lower cost. Traditionally, if you want to cruise solo uh, in a and this is true of the, almost across the entire industry, if you want to cruise mm-hmm. solo in a regular room, you have to pay something called a single supplement fee because, in a nutshell, cruising the cruise fares are based on double occupancy, and if you go solo. Uh, they don't like that because that screws up their math and their profit margin. So as a result, they usually would make you pay single supplement fee, which essentially would double the price. And you're basically paying for that second person, even if you didn't want to. Uh, but yeah, and I was so ready to go on Mariner that I was almost willing to take that uh, because oh. the prices were still, I think, within my budget. Uh, yeah. But once I got this uh, solo cabin, yeah, uh, that freed up a lot of room in my budget. Yeah, and then so you don't have to pay the single supplement fee as, as a result. How far how far before the cruising did you book this uh, particular room? Um, I was up at 4 a.m. on July 4th, just kind of looking at cruises, and I thought, oh, let me just see how much how much the cruise would cost for one person, even if I was willing to pay the single supplement. And then nice. this room became available. I uh, and I went to reserve it, but my credit card uh, wouldn't be accepted. Uh, the Royal Caribbean site wouldn't take my credit card for whatever reason. So I went and checked, and I thought, ah, some, from another uh, browser, and that room was booked. And I thought, ah, someone already got it. Fifteen minutes later, I'm checking again. That room's available again. So I tried to purchase it. Same, same credit card, same problem. So I got on the phone with a Royal Caribbean agent. Now, usually I'm a big advocate of using travel agents. I've had uh, a lot of success using mine. I think developing a relationship with a travel agent uh, can help you get information and make better decisions about what you want to do to cruise. Um, besides just having someone who knows what you like about cruising and that you can communicate directly with. I think we've talked about, you know, if you need to call Royal Caribbean and wait on the phone for an hour, well, I don't need to do that. My travel agent's going to do that for me after right. I just sent an email. Uh, yeah. But on this occasion, 4 a.m. on July 4th, I was not going to get a hold of my travel agent and book this one room that's one of four that exists on the ship. Uh, so I got on the phone with Royal Caribbean and a uh, very helpful agent there got everything booked, uh, got offered me um, the option to prepay the gratuities. And I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm close enough to sailing that I'm going to do that. Uh, and then offered me some trip insurance. And I, I uh, took advantage of that, too. Awesome. So you uh, booked this cruise and obviously this room. Talk about the room a little bit in the sense that, you know, it being a solo room, how did it feel? And it's hard to convey this, obviously, in audio. But, I mean, did it feel like, you know, people always say, is, is it cramped? Does it feel, I mean, it's obviously going to be a smaller room, but how, what was your take on that kind of a room and how it worked for you? Well, I was pleasantly surprised by what I found in the room. Uh, the, it's advertised as having a twin bed. That's not true. It has a full bed. But I can understand why they might not want to say that. Like, maybe yeah. you could think it's four or two people. Yeah, no way you could get two people uh, in this room. But it was uh, had a very adequate closet, adequate storage, a desk. Um, all the things that you expect for there to be in a room. And then the bathroom was totally standard size. There was no difference there between um, uh, my the, uh, the bathroom in my cabin and any other cabin on the ship. I will add, by the way, uh, Rick did a, a live blog on our message boards at com. So I will link that in our show notes uh, so that you can follow along and check out what he did over there. So, you know, kind of maybe browse some of the photos while you're listening to all this or better yet, just read it after this recording. But, um, you know, it's, it's pretty darn cool that you got a chance to, to sail in this room. And of course, you know, being in a, on a shorter sailing 
in a solar room. I mean, it's the old saying, you know, like how much time do you actually spend in your room? You know, you're on a cruise, you're you're hanging out, right? You book this cruise for the features and all the cool things on there. So, you know, it's not to say that you, this is like, you know, you're on a transatlantic and you're spending 12 nights in this room. <laughs> right. It really was a place to store my clothing, uh, to get ready and and sleep. And that's about it. Let's talk about the features that you were obviously so excited for on Mariner this season. I don't know which one you want to start with, but uh, take us through some of the cool things you did on board and what you thought of them. Uh, for me, the highlight was uh, the bamboo room. Uh, I was interested in this. I didn't want to see too many pictures. I did check out the drink menu beforehand and saw that there are yeah, there about three, maybe four drinks I wanted to try. Uh, and then I got there, and I loved it. The decor is, some, is so kitschy, um, and they've got some... I guess animated paintings on the wall. It looks like you know they're TV screens that look like a painting, but then the palm fronds will come across the screen and then reveal the local parrot that hangs out in the bar. And he says like, uh, "Buy me a drink. Buy me a drink. Still <laughs> waiting on that drink." And, <laughs> and the palm fronds come across, and then it goes back to like the hula girl or whatever the painting was before. I just love stuff like that. Uh, and the the drink menu was like things I had never had before, like a ginger syrup. Uh, some kind of allspice liqueur, uh, ingredients that I've never seen at any other bar. And the drinks turned wow. out to be really, really good. Good. That sounds awesome. I've heard nothing but awesome things about Bamboo Room. Uh, just a, a fun lounge bar to hang out in. Yeah, as, uh, I, I said this in the uh, live blog, but as one of my uh, friends from school said when I told him, oh, now they've got a tiki bar, he says, just when you think cruising can't get any more laid back. They had a tiki bar. Nice. Uh, How about some of the other things you did on Mariner? Uh, Playmakers. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I thought by what I had read that it was going to be more like a Dave and Buster's kind of like a mixed arcade um, and uh, sports bar. And maybe that is the plan for other ships. But on uh, Mariner, it was uh, pretty much just a sports bar, which is something that people have been asking for on ships. Um, And one thing that I thought – I was oh, saying, despite, despite Billy and I, um, Billy and I are not fans of watching sporting events on a cruise ship. Billy's not a fan of watching sporting events anywhere, but I at least, you know, have kind of like, you know, you can watch the game at home, enjoy the cruise kind of a, a thought. But nonetheless, I digress. Please go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, um, remind me the name of the the bar on, in the promenade in the Oasis class uh, ships. That, that's where they would host like trivia and stuff like that. It's maybe got like a radio broadcasting theme or something like that. Well, there's the on-air club, but then there's also the yeah, on-air club. I think is what you're talking about. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, on-air club. When I when I was in the on-air club on my previous cruise on Harmony, uh, pretty much everyone who came in there were was asking about having some sporting event on the TV. So Royal Caribbean's clearly addressing something their their customers have been saying, which is, I want to go to a bar and watch sports, and Absolutely. Playmakers does that. Well, uh, they also had a uh, a pool table in the middle that I didn't get to try. Um, but th- I thought there would be more hype to the pool table since that's kind of one of the features from the Radiance class is that they have those self-leveling pool tables. Oh, cool. I was going to ask you, uh, are they actually self-leveling or not? You know, I don't know. <laughs> so maybe they're not. And that's why they weren't hyping that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I would have thought this pool table that's taking up a fair amount of space maybe would have been more of a hyped item. Perfect. But other than that, Playmaker just is a cool, laid-back sports bar. You can get some wings, uh, get a burger. They've got a menu there that uh, that is a la carte. And, um, yeah, just a great place to get a drink. Nice. Um, how about some of the other features on board? How about some of the stuff up on deck? Did you get a chance to do uh, the the VR uh, – uh, what's it called? The, the Skypad. Skypad. Thank you. Sorry, I'm struggling with that. Well, I really wanted to, and then I kind of forgot about it. Because you can't see it from anywhere on the ship. The the sports deck is really oddly secluded. Hmm. Um, and then the times for the Skypad aren't in the planner, in the app. But they are in the printed cruise compass. That I wasn't looking at because I was just using the app. So when I wasn't seeing the app, I thought, oh, okay, it's just not open right now. Uh, but turns out those times were never in the app. Um, I was going to go on the last day. And then just timing-wise, it didn't work out. Uh, right. But if the future is any, uh, if what Royal Caribbean has done is any indication for the future, you're going to see more skypads on more ships, and I'm going to have another opportunity to do this. Heck yeah, absolutely. How about the laser tag? Uh, laser tag. That's another one that I was kind of hoping would be on the third day, but um, they were just using the Studio B space for other things. I think they uh, that's where they have the laser tag, and I think they opted to do a, a matinee of the under the big top ice show, yep. and then they uh, were getting ready for the quest. 
uh, and I then they followed that up with Red. Oh, the uh, the dance part. I didn't realize that Mariner had that because Red was originally developed for Harmony of the Seas, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've, I've been to uh, Red and on Harmony, and I liked this one a little more. Um, I, I thought that Studio B on Harmony kind of smelled like the ice skates. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, Studio B on Mariner didn't at all. Um, and oh, also the uh, the way they... The way they scheduled it worked better on Mariner. Uh, Red on Harmony just kind of started on Mariner. The quest went on just before. So there was already a built-in audience for the show. Um, And in fact, they started with two. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's like, can I I share a quick story about Billy? Oh, yeah, please. (laughs) So this is, I'm not sure who will find this that interesting, but uh, we went to check out Red on Harmony of the Seas. And it was obviously a new thing. And. Uh, this was on the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise we did on Harmony this season. Billy and I were like, yeah, let's, everyone's down there. Let's go check it out. In the name of research, people will check it out. And Billy and I, both of us, we're, we're, such, we're such nerds. We get in there, and it's like we're sitting on the side because, of course, you know, we're by ourselves. And it's so loud because the music is like, can you turn down the music? It's so loud. <laughs> I think we lasted like 15 minutes in there. And we're like, let's go back. What? Let's go yeah. back. <laughs> Who? Yeah, uh, I, it was it was pretty loud on on harmony. Um, yeah, that, that, it's supposed I, to be loud, first of all. It, there's been a dance party on another cruise line that was so loud I actually had to walk away because it was painful to stay in the area. Uh, neither times has Red risen to that level. It's been pretty right. loud, but yeah. I, I've been um, able to hang. I, I'm glad that you mentioned the thing about the laser tag and the scheduling because that's a really, actually a really good tip. This is true for all ships. In that a lot of times, especially on Royal Caribbean and especially on the newer ships, you've got to prioritize what you want to do. And my advice is if you're on like Anthem of the Seas and there's bumper cars or we're talking about laser tag on Mariner of the Seas or whatever the activity may be, you know, if you see that it's available, don't assume that it'll be available later on because it may or may not be. Who knows? But you may be busy with something else. So take any opportunity you can to if it's important to you obviously to try one of those events i think it's really good rick that we talked about this because it's a good planning tip for anybody who's going on a cruise that it's not like um it's not walmart it's not open all the time and available all the time right it's a it's you've got to sometimes some things are only run you know one or tw- once or twice on a cruise especially on the shorter sailings man you really got to prioritize so you know make sure you take you make take the time to say oh you really want to do laser tag or the sky pad or whatever you know Make sure you do it while you can, and don't assume it'll be available later on. Yeah, uh, agreed. And that worked for me. Um, that worked kind of against me with the laser tag, but it worked for me when I was able to take a cupcake class at the last minute because oh. I was walking around with nothing to do, looked in the cruise compass, and there was a cupcake class starting in 15 minutes in Jamie's Italian. So walked up there, asked if they could fit me in. They could, and I just kind of spontaneously did the uh, cupcake decorating. Did you? I know you didn't do the laser tag, but by a chance, did you pay attention? Someone mentioned this, like literally, like we're recording this podcast, but I think like half an hour before we were recording this, somebody mentioned to me, and I wasn't aware of this. And the laser tag, you not only need to wear shoes, you need to wear shoes that have um, shoelaces, like sneakers. Did you did you notice that in in your cruise compass or anything? Um, you know, there were some restrictions, and that doesn't that doesn't sound like. It's That's out of left field. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. That wouldn't be surprising based on yeah. some of the restrictions I read. Don't remember the details, but that could totally have been in there. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, a lot of different things have those kind of rules. Like if you want to do the rock climbing wall, you need uh, closed-toed shoes for that. Uh, if you want to do ice skating, you need to have pants and socks. You can't go in shorts. So it's not. You know, these are kind of things that happen for for safety reasons, quite frankly. But um, mm-hmm. I was just something that you know you want to be aware of. So. Always, even though this is something I always forget to do, Rick, um, when we go on Caribbean cruise warm sa- warm weather sailings, because I'm always like, oh, all I need is a pair of flip flops, and because I'm a guy, pair of flip flops mm-hmm. and and one pair of shoes for you know for dinner, right? Done. And I always forget about sneakers because I don't really wear sneakers here in Florida, or certainly not on warm weather cruises. But you need it for that kind of stuff. Yeah, and if I had needed a pair of shoes that laced up, I wouldn't have had that with me. Um, I think I only had like maybe deck shoes, which just laced twice. I don't think that would have counted. So yeah, what, uh, I, I may, it may have been that I couldn't have done laser tag on the ship. Let's talk about some other. What else stood out to you, Rick, for Mariner this season? Looking back on it, um, I really like the wind jammer on on Mariner. Uh, the way it's been redesigned, uh, you walk in, there are like 
10 to 12 sinks on either side, some hand washing stations. That's I'm big on hand hygiene. So the ability to not just have some sanitizer sprayed on there, but fully wash my hands. Uh, and I know for Billy, that's pretty important to be able to wash his hands coming out of the wind jammer when he's just eaten. And yeah, they're there for that too. Um, so I like that kind of initial opportunity to wash your hands. Um, and then the way they had the pod set up, I thought worked a lot better than I've seen uh, with buffet lines on other ships. So I think when they kind of broke things up like that, that really worked too. Nice. Um, and the food was good. Um, the I, I like to try out like the Indian curries that are on there. Uh, they had absolutely. one night where uh, er, the one station was everything Jamaican. And so I got to try a bunch of different Jamaican food that I may not have otherwise gotten to try. And then things that I know I like, like uh, Jamaican beef patty and things like that. That's great. You know, it just occurred to me. Obviously, you're going solo on you're going solo on this cruise. Can you share maybe some tips about cruising solo? Is there any recommendations, advice you would give to somebody who's going solo for the first time? Um, yeah, I mean, YOLO book it. I would say is my first piece <laughs> of advice. Uh, that's that's the advice I took when I was like, well, this is a great price on a cruise. I'm I'm going to jump on that. Um, yeah, just go. There are, there are plenty of ways to meet people if you're willing to strike up a conversation, and if you're maybe. Um, less gregarious, like I'm a pretty friendly guy. I'm going to walk up to people and just start talking to them. Um, but if you're not like that, any kind of activity that puts you in the same place with other people doing the same thing, that's another great way to meet people. Um, and people are there on a cruise to have fun and meeting people is a way to have fun. So, uh, I wouldn't expect any kind of like social shunning. People are pretty engaging. Like I was walking around by myself on the Windjammer on embarkation day. And I mean, that's a crazy place. Everyone's going up to the buffet to get some food. Uh, so I just uh, asked a, a young woman sitting by herself. I was like, uh, Hey, can I come and join you? And she said, yes, that her husband was on his way back with the food and had a conversation with them. Great conversation. Wound up sitting with them to eat a few more times over the cruise, running into each other in the hallway and having great conversations. Uh, turns out on the on the last night, we kind of they were asking me like, Rick, you know a lot about cruising. Show us the things on the ship we haven't seen. Uh, so I took them up to the helipad, which was a little creepy because you have to have all the lights off at the front of the ship. So I'm like taking them down this dark hallway on the side of a ship where anyone could be thrown <laughs> overboard at any moment. Um, <laughs> but then once we got up to the helipad, they agreed like that was a good view and that was worth it. Um, on the way back, they stopped by the casino and hit the jackpot. Uh, and I've been promised $1 from wow. their jack because that's, <laughs> that's what they said they could afford to give me. <laughs> but yeah. For um, a solo cruiser, just strike up a conversation with some, someone. People are friendly. That's right, and uh, a great tip uh, to add on to that one is if you're still kind of shy or you're just not, you know, you're not you're not Rick Ross, you're not running around. Hey guys, what's going on? Uh, you can go to the, you can do baby steps. Start with the crew members. I mean, they're paid to talk to you, but they will yep. actually talk to you. They're they're really nice. Whether it's your waiter, whether it is your stateroom attendant, uh, the, the casino host, whomever it is. I mean, these people are nice, and they, they you can get some really interesting information out of them. But also, it's a great way to kind of warm yourself up to this idea of approaching other people, uh, be it you know other guests. But the crew members are also a great resource of information, and they can be fun to talk to and hang out with, especially at the bars. Oh, for sure. If you want to know something about a port, uh, they've been to that port a lot. They know what the good stuff in the port is. So if you've got port questions, ask a, a crew member. I'm glad you mentioned waiter because one of the good – uh, experiences I had being a solo cruiser was my waiter was very attentive to the fact that I was eating by myself on the first night. Um, and he brought out the crew, the courses just as they, as I was ready for them. Uh, he, he wasn't waiting because, you know, you normally wait between appetizer and entree. He was, he saw that I was just there to eat and go. That's the pace he operated at too. And, uh, for Rovain from India at table 137, and I'll be putting that in my survey, um, yeah, he did a great job of kind of matching my tempo. Love it. Well, uh, Rick, this has been really good, but before I let you go, I want to get to know our podcast guests a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions about how you like to cruise on Royal Caribbean. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind when, uh, ask you these questions. Oh, Matt, I've got one thing I want to say before we, uh, before we go. Yeah, absolutely. The app, the new Royal Caribbean app really is great. Oh, good. Uh, 
I've been pleased with everything about that app from the check-in process to taking my own selfie to having my um, set sail pass right on my phone to having a lot of the cruise compass information and uh, dining information right there on the phone. Uh, I know Royal Caribbean's interested in rolling chat out, and that's just recently appeared on Allure. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I would say this uh, app that Royal Caribbean has come up with, uh, and they, they're sharing it with celebrities. So I, that's another line I like, um, too. Uh, the app is working great. I'm really happy with how the app functioned. I'm really glad to hear that. It's been it's generated a lot of interest. A lot of people are talking about it. It's a new smartphone app that Royal Caribbean is developing. And, I mean, literally, it, it changes quite often. Um, it, in 2018, it's been very busy. In the last couple of months, they've seen a lot of innovation. It's still under construction, so to speak. And it may not be fleet-wide until the end of 2019. But the But the bottom line is, what Rick is talking about, is if you're on a ship that has it, take advantage of it. Because the features really uh, are, are nice to have and um, once the, we can get chat and some of the, you know, what basically a lot of these ships that are supported to get like the full set of features out there, it's going to be incredible. I'm really excited to try it myself. Mm. Yeah, uh, it worked great. Uh, can't wait to see what they add in the future. All right, Rick. So here we go. We're going to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, since you sailed okay. on Mariner of the Seas, what is your best tip for someone going on Mariner for their first time? Um, on embarkation, I think this applies across the board, but for Mariner 2, on embarkation day, uh, take take a tour of the ship. Uh, start up at the top deck and just walk around as you walk down the levels. Just try and get a good survey of everything that's there so you know what you might want to come back and do. Cool. Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? Uh, Jamie's Italian. Ooh, nice. What, what's your, do you have a go-to dish there or are you just, uh, uh, you eat it all? Yeah, le- lamb scotadita. When uh, I was on the Harmony of the Seas with a couple of classmates of mine, and, and one of them uh, is married, and, and his wife came along too. Uh, the first night that we ate at Jamie's Italian, they all got some pasta entrees. I don't really like pasta, uh, so I got the lamb. It was so good. I shared a little bite with each of them, and we were determined to go back. Everyone ordered the lamb. Nice. Uh, preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise? Uh, okay, up until this cruise, it's been what was called a French Caribbean, uh, but you need the passion fruit uh, island oasis mix for that. So I'm going to say at the Bamboo Room, the Saturn Landing. That was the best drink I had on uh, this Mariner cruise. I'm definitely taking notes after this podcast. Okay, good. Um, yep. <laughs> favorite port of call to visit? Um, Cozumel. I want to know more about it. I had a really good time while I was there, uh, and I want to go back. Good. Uh, spoken like a true friend of Billy and yeah. favorite song on the radio or iPod today. Oh gosh. Um, I'd say anything by Ariana Grande. There you go. All right. I like it. Well, Rick, thank you for joining us here. And of course, uh, shout out to uh, cruisehabit.com. Uh, you guys have your new podcast that people can go check on out and uh, listen there. You can hear Rick and you hear Billy, hopefully more of Rick than Billy. <laughs> Sorry, Billy. It's and, I'm uh, making sure it's 50, 50. I'm, I'm putting yeah. my foot down. on that. Yeah. <laughs> just you know billy likes to uh i think all of his stories say well in the beginning and then he goes from there, there were, <laughs> it was the best of times it was the worst of times let me tell you about how cruising was in 1956 okay <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing len okay and then they go from there um so <laughs> but, yeah anyway. about, we've, got, we've got the podcast uh up it it should be up now two episodes one of them on celebrity revolution uh i know a lot of people talk to you and ask for more information about celebrity and you say eh, i'm royal caribbean focused well for people who are interested in knowing about celebrity uh our first podcast is is going to be on their 500 million dollar revitalization program uh, and then our second podcast is on the port of key west florida nice I like it. Well, Rick, thank you for joining us here, and I appreciate you sharing this awesome information about Mariner of the Seas. Thank you, Matt. Well, we've reached the listener question part of the episode where I dive into the Royal Caribbean blog inbox and read the questions and emails that you've sent me about really anything on your mind about Royal Caribbean cruises. You can always do so, that is sending me an email, uh, by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email this week is from Brian Robinson, who writes, Hey, Matt, during our move to Florida, I was able to listen to some old, slightly older podcast episodes and something I didn't catch at first, but now caught my attention. 
a listener emailed uh, asking ways to earn crown and anchor points. Of course, there's the usual way by taking your cruise. Something a lot of people forget to consider is when you book a cruise tour, as many do in Alaska, you can earn crown and anchor points for these days as well. Now, many of the pre and post cruise costs as much as the cruise itself. It is an area not even ever discussed, and perhaps you could talk about this topic on an upcoming episode. I'm sure a lot of listeners will enjoy it, perhaps even book it. Brian, thank you for the email, and you're absolutely right. Uh, the, if you do book a uh, cruise tour, this is an add-on option. I know they exist in Alaska. They also exist in Europe, I'm pretty sure, like around uh, Italy and Venice, basically places where uh, you, people are more likely to want to naturally have a land vacation, if you will, that that is added on to your cruise vacation. So, like, you're in Alaska already. Some people really want to go see Denali and go do other things that are in that area. If you're in Rome for your cruise and your cruise leaves out of Rome, perhaps you'll see a lot of more of the sites in and around Italy. So there's a lot of these natural tours that Royal Caribbean has come up with. And they call these land tours, and these are add-ons you can do either before or after the cruise. And as Brian said, they ain't the cheapest thing in the world, but they do give you cruise points. There's that, so you can earn more kind of anchor society points. And uh, it does, you know, it's, it's a great way, obviously, to expand your vacation as well and see more than even a cruise ship vacation can offer to you. But by the same token, they are expensive. And I feel like a lot of people, that when they're asking about First of all, Brian's 100% right, but I think when people are asking about how do I get more points, I think more people are like, you know, I've got one or two points or three points to get to the next level kind of situation. But of course, hey, every point counts, right? And whether we're talking about going to a, a suite or taking a land tour, these are all ways to definitely move ahead in the system. So there you go. Great suggestion there, Brian. Thank you. Our next e- email is from Lisa Van Gurmet of Arlington, Texas, writes, Matt, love your podcast and love when you read emails from real people. I thought I'd share my thoughts from a recent cruise. My husband and I sailed on a wasted the seas to Lobbity, San Juan, and say, Martin, here are some tips for people, some of which apply to Oasis, some of which apply to cruising in general. She's got, believe it or not, 21 tips here, so let's read through them. Number one, sign waivers ahead of time. They don't have separate lines for people with no waiver. So if you haven't signed waivers, you hold everyone up. You can't even sign waivers if you have alcohol in your hand either. Number two, you know how your kids behave at home, and you may feel comfortable letting them roam unsupervised, but understand that the ship is a very different environment than your home, and they may be making very different choices than you would surprise and even perhaps dismay you. Keep them with you so that you can model appropriate and inappropriate behavior. Number three, if you're drinking, don't be an embarrassment to the human race. Alcohol impairs judgment, so if someone points out that you're behaving badly, believe them. You may think you're funny, but you're actually not. Number four, if your child's behaving badly at dinner, remove them. Their schedules are off. They're probably not even sleeping normally. They're eating weird food. They're not at their best, and that's understandable. Have reasonable expectations for their behavior, and make sure they don't ruin other people's experience. Number five, the solarium is lovely, but it's much hotter than the open spaces. So if you're cruising in the summer, it's not as useful as when it's cooler weather out. Still, it's a great sailaway spot. Number six, don't be in a hurry to break the rules. They're there for a reason. The cumulative effect of thousands of people breaking rules is huge and generally not good. Also, the crew are not your babysitters. Don't leave cups and plates or food or wherever. Come on. Number seven, book ahead of Labadee and everywhere, really. Things fill up, friends. So if you think you want to book a cabana, book it. In San Juan, you can grab a bus tour, but be aware of how long it'll take to fill the bus. Don't get on a bus where you're the first ones on. You'll wait an hour for them to fill it up before you actually go. The Segway tour in San Juan is cool, but it can fill up. They only take eight or so to reserve ahead. Number 10, have a backup plan in case you can't get into the thing you want on the ship. Don't waste time complaining about how the show was full. Just go on your plan B. Number 11, familiarity with the show makes them even better. So learn a little before you come on board. If you know the music or story, you'll like it more. 12, take cash with you everywhere. You still want to tip people like the piano guy and the beach guys. Have a bunch of $1 bills and you'll never feel badly. Number 13, if you have social media channels, use them to tweet out or share crew who are doing a great job. Corporate will see it. And in addition to the survey, it's a great way to recognize awesome people who are working hard to make your crews amazing. Number 14, sunscreen people. 15, next cruise will not reprice previously booked cruises, even if they were booked on next cruise. 16, you need lace-up shoes for the zip line, so if you plan to do it on the first day, bring them in your carry-on. 17, the Park Cafe is a perfect place for lunch on the day you board. It's empty and delicious. The zip line flow rider don't open until 1 to explore the ship and eat lunch. Number 18, orange juice, like real orange juice, not orange-flavored water, is complimentary at Johnny Rocket, so even if you don't want to eat there, you can grab juice. Number 19, looking for a quiet place, Deck 5 aft has chairs and are quiet. 20, the organization for the water show is horrible, so wait until later in the cruise to try to see it. Pro tip, 
Go to deck 15 by the ping pong tables next to the Wipeout Cafe. There are chairs there and a balcony which you can watch the show. Yes, it's far down, but you can see it quite well and no reservations required. And number 21, I'm not a tax professional, but I run my own business. My account told me that I could deduct the internet fee that I'm using for work while I'm on board. Unfortunately, working means uh, there's no one to answer my email, etc. I had to keep track of what I use for personal use and prorate it, but it was a small benefit. Thanks again for all you do. Love your podcast. I especially love when I can hear your sweet daughters in the background. Hope you can join you on a group cruise one of these days. Lisa, thank you for the suggestions there. Um, great ideas all around. I always appreciate hearing kind of tips. And uh, quite frankly, I learned something. I did not know about the you go up to Wipeout Cafe on on or uh, on yeah on Oasis and Alerts Wipeout Cafe on Harmony. It is Mini Bites, and on Symphony it is El Loco Fresh. But anyway, you go over there and you have a view of the Aqua Theater, and hey. Even if it's not the best view in the world, not having to compete for those seats, especially if you don't have a ticket for it, really makes a difference, you know? Definitely agree with that. Uh, Next, we have an email from Mike, who writes, Hello, Matt. Thanks for all the great content you provide. Between planning and helping folks stay in the cruise mindset while on land is a valuable service you provide, and across all content and formats you're providing, the Royal Caribbean blog is turning into a media powerhouse. Quick question on tipping. On a recent cruise on Harmony of the Seas, our family purchased a five-night dining package. We didn't spend much time in the main dining room. We, of course, paid the main gratuities as expected. But here's the question. Can you provide input as to how those prepaid gratuities for the main dining room apply to specialty restaurants? There's the option to pay additional tips of the bill for a specialty dining meal. Is there an expectation that some of the prepaid gratuities are shared with the specialty dining restaurant team? Or should a typical 18-20% gratuity should be calculated based on the full cost of the meal? Mike, great question. I appreciate the email. You know, one of the things, uh, the gratuities you pay for the automatic gratuities go towards... The wait staff around the ship, not just the main dining room staff, but the you know staff in the Windjamer and other places as well, and of course your stateroom attendant. But when you buy, when you go to a specialty restaurant, whether you're going, whether you pay the full cover charge, you know you just walk in, hey, I'd like to eat here, okay, we we'll charge you the cover charge, sir or madam, or you in your case, Mike, you bought a dining package, it is included. In fact, you know this, and I always double check this every single time I eat at any specialty restaurant. At the bottom of your bill. There will be usually a note that says something along the lines of a service charge has been included in your bill. Feel free to tip on top of it, blah, 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 blah. But the bottom line is it's included there. So now you can't tell them, oh, I want to use the my automatic gratuities to pay this dude instead of that guy or this restaurant instead of that place. It doesn't work that way. But know that you're not, the fact that you're eating at these restaurants anyway covers that. That's what that extra cost is supposed to be going towards. It's supposed to be going towards the extra cost of the food and of course the servers that are there and there's probably some profit built in. Let's let's not be let's not kid ourselves, right? <laughs> uh but anyway, hope that answers your question, Mike. Appreciate you sending that in. Next we have an email from Nate who writes, My wife and I will be going on our first cruise in a few weeks and I found your podcast to be very helpful. After listening to episode two sixty five, I was wondering if anyone had tried gotenna.com. G O T E N N let me try that again. G-O-T-E-N-N-A.com. This is what I've been talking about taking up our trip. I'd like to know how good or bad and how it worked for others. I would also like to know, with the uptick in violence in parts of Mexico, the State Department is recommending that Americans don't travel to some areas. Do the cruise lines provide any security at our stops while on excursions? I wonder if you wander off on your own. Will you be asking for trouble? Uh, either way, still looking forward to our trip. Nate, interesting questions you bring up. So first of all, Nate's talking about gotenna.com, which I've seen, I'm not familiar with this particular one, but it's basically this idea that I've seen a couple different variations on this idea where you get this, like, basically this mobile modem, if you will, and um, you can bring it with you for a variety of countries. It's basically a uh, MiFi device or a mobile uh, device that allows you to connect to other things. So rather than, like, having to buy an internet plan in country A country B and country C and swapping out SIM cards. This is just like one device to rule them all, right? And they basically, you know, this is how it works. Now, there's a couple, there's there's good sides and bad sides. The good side of it is obviously that it allows you to have one device. You don't have to worry about those plans, like I mentioned. So really, really easy to, you know, get the, um, to have it, you know, one device, you just connect your phone or your tablet or whatever to this device and you're off to the races staying connected the entire time. Now, the issue is, of course, what you get for your plan because you have to pay for the device. That's A. So there's, like, as an example, the Gotenna the device that uh, Nate was referring to costs $179, it looks like. And um, and then you also have to have a connection, right? And it's kind of an interesting idea. 
I'm not sure how well it works. In a lot of cases, I've seen other... I'm not familiar with GoTennis. So I don't pretend to be one. Please research it on your own before deciding. But in a lot of cases, you know, not all countries are included. As an example, the classic example is I always look at these and Haiti is not included. And when you're on a Royal Caribbean cruise, you're going to Labadee. And I would love to have a great high-speed internet connection there. It's not usually there. Number two, you're probably ending up going to be paying a fair amount of money for that plan. They're not like, you know, 10 bucks or something like that. A lot of times there's a there's a network plan, just like you would, you know, if you bought a new phone, similar idea. You would have a network uh, connection charge to that, usually a monthly fee. It may not be like, you know, concurrently, you can renew it every, every time you actually need it, but, you know, uh, you have to pay for that, and it may not work in all the countries you're visiting. You can argue, well, if it goes in two of the countries I'm visiting, is it worth it? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think it really depends on where you go. Certainly, I think these devices work well in places like Europe. Uh, in Europe, in fact, there's a lot more options than the Caribbean because the Caribbean, there's a lot. I mean, there's not a lot of carryover. You can't go from like it's not like one carrier to rule them all. The other thing is these days, I know that AT and T and Verizon, T-Mobile may offer something like this, but I'm not explicitly sure about this. But I know that AT and T Verizon offer this, you know, easy month, this day pass thing where if you go off the ship in you know a particular country, let's say the Bahamas, and you just start using your data plan, you will automatically kick into a ten dollar plan. So you pay 10 bucks, which is really not bad. And then you get to use the high-speed data like you would if you were in the United States, which is a pretty cool idea. And a lot of carriers may offer similar plans. It's a whole lot easier. There's no extra devices. There's no more SIM cards that you have to swap in and out of. It makes it simpler. And I think there's something to be said about having a simpler approach to it because that just allows for a, you know, it just makes your life simpler and easier and less stuff to carry around and worry about. Your other question, Nate, was about Mexico. And there, look, violence in Mexico happens. State Department issues regularly warnings for a lot of different countries. But the bottom line is a lot of the violence in Mexico has been limited to outside the tourist areas. Where you go on your cruise is not where the violence is happening. And it's really important to read the reports. Not just because, because of course, you know, your local news would be like, oh, the State Department issues a travel warning against Mexico. Mm, certain places in Mexico. Not Cozumel, not Costa Maya. They're not, these aren't the areas where the cartels are engaged in. In fact, it's quite the opposite. So I still believe it's very safe to go to. And uh, Nate, I've been to Mexico, let's see here, about four or five times this year alone, going back again two more times, all in Cozumel, uh, not all in Cozumel, uh, mostly in Cozumel, I've been to Costa Maya as well. Uh, but I'll tell you that it doesn't even, I don't even think twice about it, to be perfectly honest with you. I feel perfectly safe in there. I think like any place you visit, it's important to be vigilant. It doesn't hurt to read the warnings, you know, and be, be certainly uh, uh, caught up with what's going on in the world. That, you know, you shouldn't just turn a blind eye. By far, by, by no means am I going to that point. But I am telling you that when it comes to none of these warnings that you're talking about, especially the one I know the one you're alluding to, Nate, that the State Department issued uh, back here in the summer was for a different part of the country. So uh, just keep that in mind. Read the reports. Good to do that. But also don't get freaked out if the title of the article you're reading says Mexico. It's not the whole country. It's just different parts of it. But it is really good to to mention that. And actually, Nate did include a link to the Mexico Travel Advisory here. And I'm trying to see if I can find the exact area. I mean, yeah, it's a, these are the states, right? Colima, Guerrero, Michoacan, Señola, Tamulipolis. These are not areas that... Um, your cruise ships go to. Um, uh, the cruise ships by far go in Cosmel's like Quintin something or other. Uh, there it's Quintana Roo. And there's level two exercise increased caution, which you could probably argue is for a lot of different places. Um, and in fact, it says here there are no restrictions on U.S. government employees for travel in Quintana Roo, which includes tourist areas such as Cancun, Cosmel, Playa Carmen, Tulum, and the River, Riviera Maya. So, you know, again, it's read the report and dig into it uh, to really get the sense of it. But Nate, it's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up because you know what? I'm sure someone else is thinking about it, but you know, I think we're, I think we're okay as of right now. I'm not worried about personally. Next email from Doug from Roseville, Michigan. Uh, just been getting caught up with the podcast. Really enjoyed the recent episode about Royal Caribbean versus Norwegian Cruise Line. I do want to add one thing. You talked briefly about how Royal Caribbean has added more single person rooms, to some of their ships and some of the newer ones have even more. I've done research and watched videos of them, and they're very nice. But if you're traveling alone, Norwegian has Royal Caribbean beat easily. I was on the Norwegian Epic a few years ago and had a great time by myself. Not only do the newer ships have a good number of studio rooms, but they also dedicate a whole lounge to single travelers that has food and bar and activities. These activities help you meet other single travelers and find people to do things with. It almost feels like your own secret club with private lounge and getting to know other single travelers so well and seeing them often. They've really done an amazing job making sure single travelers have a great time. 
The price for these studio rooms is usually a few hundred dollars cheaper uh, than paying for double occupancy rate on either cruise line. With that said, Royal Caribbean is my home, and I'm paying double and going on Oasis of the Seas alone in October. But that will get me to Diamond, and I want to be like the rest of the cool kids. One last thing I do have a recommendation. One of my favorite things about your podcast is when you interview other people. I love hearing about other people's experiences and learning new things. You just recently mentioned you cruise four to five times a year, maybe for the podcast or for your YouTube channel. Do a quick five-minute interview with a cruise director or activist uh, directors or guests on your cruises. Your Periscopes and Facebook Lives, while I'm bored of the best part of my day, this would be a cool bonus after the cruise. Thanks again for everything you do. Doug, thanks for the email, and I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. And great point about Norwegian Cruise Line. Look, as much of a Royal Caribbean fan as I am, I will be the first to admit that Norwegian solo cruise game is definitely a level above what Royal Caribbean offers. You know, Norwegian, and we talked about this on the podcast, one of the things they pioneered was the freestyle dining. That was a, that had a huge impact on the industry. And also, Norwegian's attention to solo cruisers has really carved out a niche for them because that's allowed them to be able to, you know, attract a different kind of audience and stand out, quite frankly. And when you're talking about Norwegian, who is on, you know, is looking up at market share when it comes to Royal Caribbean and Carnival, the market leaders, you got to do something. You can't do more of the same and hope to just one day wake up and get more market share. So this has definitely been part of their strategy. And, you know, for solo cruisers, you look, I mean, money's money. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's a, a compelling factor. That makes a whole lot of sense. So, Doug, I'm glad to hear that you've enjoyed what Norwegian offers. But you're still going to be cruising on Royal, given the chance or the choice, because it's just a lot more fun for you and you enjoy it. Uh, the recommendation is really interesting, uh, Doug. One of the things I'm not allowed to do is interview crew members without talking to Royal Korean corporate about that. Uh, that's to protect both the crew members and, of course, corporate. This is pretty standard. You know, you can't go into a Subway store and interview the sub maker dude, the sandwich artist, uh, you know, without talking to corporate. I mean, you know, if you're part of the media, I mean, you can, but they can get in a lot of trouble if they do. So obviously, you know, not to say that it couldn't be done, but I also don't want, I want to respect the, the crew members and not get them in trouble. And I also want to respect the process in which I certainly am aware of. I'm not going to play naive like, what? You're kidding. Now, other guests, absolutely fair game. And certainly when that comes up, love doing that. I mean, it's always, it, I agree, Doug, it is funny people learn from other people. One of the best things about not only this podcast, but cruising in general and RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com is I've learned so much from other cruisers, just like you, Doug, because the way I cruise is vastly different than the way other people cruise. And you pick up on a lot of different things from other people's tendencies because I think we tend to get locked into a kind of routine. And that's not a bad thing. Look, I'm the first who I was talking about when I go on a, on a Royal Caribbean cruise. First thing I do is go to the Windjamere for lunch. But there's also other options available to you throughout the cruise. And sometimes, again, that routine kind of almost puts blinders on you in terms of being able to try new things or even be aware of new things or look for new things. And I agree, Doug. I love talking to other folks and hearing about their experiences because it does potentially open you up to quite a bit of, of options there, which I love. So totally on board with you there. Thank you for the email. Next, we have an email from Kaylee who writes, First of all, I love the podcast. I've been hooked ever since planning our first cruise last summer. Your podcast and blog have been getting me through my cruise blues up until a few months ago when we booked the Oasis of the Seas. I wanted to let you know that I received the elusive call from Royal Caribbean regarding room upgrades. We were originally booked in an aft inside room on the 12th deck of Oasis of the Seas. Yesterday, Royal Caribbean called to offer an ocean view room for only $70 Canadian more. That's about $50 US for all the non-Canucks out there. We were able to score an ocean view room on the third deck midship for upcoming October sailing. Can't wait, as this will be our first time in an ocean view. My first thought after talking with Royal Caribbean was to reach out and email you the great news. I know from previous podcasts that many people do not get this lucky phone call. Thanks again for all you do. If you or one of your listeners have any advice for authentic Mexican restaurants when we're in Cozumel, that would be greatly appreciated. Kelly, thank you so much for the email. Dude, not a free upgrade, but a super cheap upgrade. Love that. How cool is that? The Upgrade Ferry Strikes. It's awesome news, Kaylee. Thank you for sharing that. Authentic Mexican food restaurants, my number one go-to, must-eat, most authentic Mexican food in Cozumel, in my not-so-humble opinion, is a place called uh, Camita Caceres Tonitas. I'll post a link in our show notes at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com so you can get uh, easy photos, review, and also an address of it. It's downtown, a couple blocks off the main road, not too hard to get to once you actually know where you're going. In terms of other restaurants, that's, I mean, it's a great one. I love Tunis as my go-to place. There's also great places. Casa Dennis is pretty good. I think it's a little overpriced for, I mean, Mexican food considering it's Mexico, but it's good. It's, it's certainly more authentic than a lot of other places that are in town. And a lot of people have been talking to me about Lechoza, C-H-O-Z-A. 
Uh, both La Chosa and Casa Dennis are basically in that main square. Casa Dennis is in the main square. La Chosa is right off the main square. I gotta try La Chosa uh, on a, some trip. I'm going to Cosmel soon because I've heard some good things about them. But, you know, it's certainly more than just the usual. I mean, you can find some... I mean, Mexican food is not going to vary all that much. But the diff- you'll notice the difference when you get to an authentic place where, you know, it's not like Tex-Mex. It's actually Mexican and uh, there's some really interesting choices there. No question about it. Always ask the waiter also for recommendations, specials, things they're really known for. Things that you, I even say, you know, what, what's really authentic on your menu? What are you really proud of? And kind of go from there from an ordering standpoint. There's so much great food in Cosmo. Oh my gosh, Kayla, you're going to, you <laughs> bring the stretchy pants, stretchy shorts, because they'll probably be hot and you're going to be uh, eating quite a bit over there. Uh-huh. Time for our next email, and it is from. Next, I'm trying to find the uh, name over here. It is from Carol Browning, who writes, Hey, Matt, I believe you heard heard you mention some time ago that you should always book two people in your cabin, even if you're planning on a solo cruise. Can you please refresh my memory as to the reason for this? I do know that sometimes more options are available when I indicate on the search that there'll be two passengers traveling in the cabin when I select just one passenger. And then what happens when you show up to the port as a single? Are there any issues? Thank you, Matt, for sharing your wealth of knowledge and enthusiasm. Can't tell you how much I enjoy and appreciate Carol. Thank you for the kind words. And the reason why I recommend generally, first of all, when you're pricing, you should price both. If you're going solo, knowing full well you're sailing by yourself, you should always price out for your by yourself, see what options come up, what prices come up, and then price with a fake person. And the reason is, in my experience, unless you're booking a solo room, a lot of times booking that extra person is actually cheaper. Sometimes Royal Caribbean, that single supplement fee drives up the price compared to that fake second person. Now, Carol brings up a point. Well, what happens when you show up there? Great, I booked this, you know, I, I put my uncle down as my second person who's not going to be there. I show up to the port without my uncle. What happens? Nothing. No problem at all. I did I did this, uh, in fact, when I went on Harmony of the Seas by myself. I put my daughter down. She wasn't on the cruise. But it was cheaper to do that than it was to book me by myself. And in, case some, in the case of some ships and some sailings, you may actually see no options available to you if you put down a solo cruiser, whereas if you put down a second person, all of a sudden you have these other room choices for you. But the bottom line is they don't care. You just tell them, uh, you know, oh, no, it's just me today. You don't have to give them the excuse. They're not going to like give you the third degree. Like, oh, let me get the uh, Royal Caribbean police on this. What happened to that other person? No, no, no. No, only like that. They don't care. They're like, okay, whatever. Here you go. And more importantly, you'll still get your double crown and anchor points for cruising solo. So the re- again, cru- look at both options. But if you're cruising solo, don't just assume you need to put just yourself down there. In a lot of cases, it is actually cheaper to put that second person down. Just the way that pricing and specials and whatnot work. So definitely a... A, a good strategy. And our last email this week comes to us from Cruz and Susan, who writes, Matt, I was listening to your podcast and enjoyed hearing your guest talk about the underwater scooter. My husband and I did that in Cosmel back in 2010, and it was great. It's definitely something everyone should try at least once. However, I wear glasses and can't see much out with, without them, and I couldn't wear them while on that excursion. I also don't like to put my head underwater. I get ear infections quite easily. When we were in St. Thomas a few years ago after that, we tried the helmet dive at Coral World Park. I enjoyed it way more. I was able to wear my glasses, and my head never got wet. It's so exciting to be that far underwater, seeing and holding sea creatures. We've only done it twice now, and I have seen that other islands have the helmet dives as well, so we hope to try it again sometime soon. Susan, thank you so much for the recommendation. I love hearing about that. And that's a great point. You know, that's uh, if you're looking for other options there, not just the underwater scooter, but, you know, kind of this like almost, I won't call it fake scuba diving, but it's fake scuba diving. <laughs> and he gets the opportunity to get underwater, like Susan said, but not without the whole, you know, get scuba certified and whatnot. And that works quite well. So, Susan, thank you as much for the suggestion. Thank you to everybody for these great, great, wonderful emails. If you want to send me your emails that to be read on an upcoming episode, you can always do so by sending an email to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.